what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Hello and welcome to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. I am one of the two brothers in tech you'll be hearing from during the show. And across the country from me is my other brother in tech, Brian Jackson. How are you doing, Brian? Good, Alan. How are you? Doing I, great. I noticed you doing. said the other, right? You, you had all sorts of other descriptors for me uh, before we started uh, recording today. So do you, want to, do you want to use any of those as well or no? no. I'm just going to leave it at other. I think okay. I think other is fine. Other is descriptive enough for right now. I can't. Yeah. Some of those other descriptions I can't use on a, a clean iTunes podcast. Uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of editing <laughs> needed for that. So. <laughs> Uh, well, great. It's good to talk to you as always. Yeah. And uh, this is our this is our technology show. This is where we, my brother and I, we we enjoy talking tech. So we figured it's a good opportunity to get together and talk tech uh, every week and hopefully have some information we can share out there for the audience as well. Uh, we kind of take the approach of this show of we are brothers in tech, uh, kind of our guild of technology brothers and sisters. And uh, we know that there's probably some people out there that uh, are the default go-to IT person in their family, uh, or maybe you are someone that is calling a certain family member all the time to get tech help, and you want to start to be a little more self-sufficient. Either way, we want to be a resource here to help and share some knowledge and ideas as well. So, um, Brian, we started this month with a whole category of, of episodes dealing with just computers, and as basic as that may sound, it truly is talking about the actual computer, you know, what type of computers are our form factors and so forth. And we're doing our deep dive episodes right now where we go a little deeper each time into the, this topic. So today we're going to be talking about specs. And what do we mean, uh, Brian, when we're talking specs about a computer? Well, specifications, right? So we're going to, we're, I think we're going to approach today as the situation that many of us, I think, have been in uh, going and trying to buy a laptop or a desktop and then having to make sense of all the numbers that they're throwing out to you to try to market that machine. So um, there's a lot of numbers that someone can use to promote a particular machine. And we're going to kind of dig into what those numbers mean. Um, and then also which ones maybe are more important than others for you, depending on your, uh, your use. So, so yeah, I think, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about buying a new machine, let's see if we can clear up some of the confusion of, uh, you know, what are the specifications that you might need and, and want to potentially pay a little more money for um, to uh, to have that machine. So cool. Yeah, well, we're going to go through and talk about computer specs, like Brian just said. Then later in the episode, just so you know what's coming later on, we do have our patented, you know, world renowned bits, our brothers in tech suggestions. I mean, it's what everybody sticks through is what everybody sticks through us rambling for however long this episode may yeah. go to get through at the end if everybody wants the suggestions. So we, Brian and I both give a, a bit, a brother in tech suggestion uh, every episode, something we think is worth checking out, maybe somewhat related to the topic we're talking about. So that's no <laughs> exception here. Maybe, Maybe. <laughs> uh, Brian, Brian has stretched that in some past, past occasions. That's okay. Um, and uh, we'll do that at the end of the episode. So make sure you stay tuned for that. So, but let's go ahead and jump right in and talk about computer specs, Brian. So 
I'm just imagining I am walking into a Best Buy department store mm -hmm. or I'm going online to a bestbuy.com or any other computer place that sells computers. And, you know, you see the pictures of the computers, you, you can kind of get a sense for the size and maybe color and, you know, a screen size, all those things. But then you get this nice little list, typically a bullet point list of specifications. And I don't know about you, Brian, but people I talk to sometimes, they know what color computer they want. They know what size computer. They know whether they want a laptop or a desktop. But when it comes to the specs, that's where people get lost. And I agree. Yeah. It, it can be a little complicated. Um, I used to really, really fret about specs on computers years ago when I was doing a lot of computer purchasing. I'm, I was very, very finicky about all the specs we're going to talk about. Uh, I will admit I'm less so nowadays, and that's good for consumers. I think that uh, and luckily, there's not too many ways you can go wrong with computer specs, but I think it's important we talk through some of the ones and what they mean. And like you said, which ones are really the most important to focus on for your application? So right. you want right. to start us off, Brian? What's, uh, what's some of the first specs we might run into? Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, when people are going to kind of try to sell you a computer, they're going to mention the processor, right? That's usually the, yep. the wording that they'll give um, when they first tell you about this machine, that it's a so-and-so gigahertz processor, right? Or a dual core processor. Um, mm -hmm. And so the processor, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Alan, but that's really just kind of the engine that runs the, the computer, right? Yep. I mean, this mm -hmm. is the this is the, the the system itself, and then all of these other things are going to then power this system. So, um, so when you see the 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 term gigahertz or GHZ, right, that's going to be that number that they tend to use in terms of what they think the speed of that processor happens to be. So, you might see something that's like a 1.8 gigahertz processor or a 2.3 gigahertz processor, um, and so that's going to be you know. Technically, it's how many cycles a second the processor can actually handle. So obviously, the higher number means the more processes it can handle, right? And to be able to do in a short period of time. So, so nowadays, you're going to get, as I said, you're going to get somewhere in the, you know, one to two something gigahertz uh, processors. And you'll see a range from kind of low 1.3 up to 2.8 you know, or something, maybe even yeah. a three, three gigahertz machine that some of that. I want to say three might be kind of the, might, max, might be the know? standard now that people are kind of hitting with some of our higher end machines. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're right. It's, it's the, it's the brain, it's the brain of the computer and it doesn't work independently. It's going to depend on all the other things we're going to talk about. But if your if your core brain of your computer is slower, it doesn't matter. In most cases, all the other stuff you have around it is still going to underperform uh, your computer. So things right. like boot up speed, things like you know how many different programs can actually run efficiently. Um, talking about how fast those programs start up. If it's got something to do like um, if you're editing a video on your computer and it has to render the video or export the video, all those things are going to be impacted by that processor speed to some degree. So uh, it is important to have the right kind of processor in there because it's not something that's really something you can ever really upgrade. It's not a user upgradable thing. You can't go in and pop out your processor and put a new one. It's pretty much soldered onto the motherboard in most cases. So um, you do need to kind of decide what kind of processor you get on a computer. Um, but I will say personally, Brian, uh, you know, you mentioned a lot of different spec numbers and gigahertz numbers and all that. 
uh, processor used to be something I was very, very focused on. Nowadays, I honestly probably pay the least amount of attention to the processor speed. Yeah. Yeah. Because, for example, buying a, let's say you buy a new Mac, uh, iMac, uh, the models typically come with a certain speed. Maybe you can go do an upgrade to a little bit faster speed, but you're not talking huge incremental difference. You're not talking giant differences. Um, it's more of a, look, this is what we offer. And then if you want to bump up your speed a little bit, you can pay a little more and you get a little faster processor. Um, I dare say for most people, the the core processors that come standard processors on a, a standard computer nowadays is going to be fine. Now, don't make that a blanket statement to say that everybody is going to be super happy with all the processor they get on a standard processor model. But I think for people listening to this kind of show and wanting to gain information and knowledge, you're going to be fine with the processors that come standard with these boxes. It's just a dependent. It's just a matter of whether you want to pay the extra money to get a little faster or not. Um, that's kind of my take on it, Brian. How yeah. you have any opinions no, on processors? I, I think you're right. I mean, I think the the trick is that you know the situation people are going to be in is they're sitting you know in the Best Buy and having two models right next to each other and maybe a couple hundred dollars difference, and one might be a you know, an, an i3 and the other one's an i5, you know, a different type of processor and suggesting that one's uh, potentially a higher speed than the other. The question is, is it worth, you know, those couple of hundred dollars to be able to go to that next level? And I think this also is going to come, a lot of the specs that we talk about are, you're also going to have to ask yourself, how often do I plan on getting a new computer? And, mm -hmm. you know, as you mentioned, every, Probably each of those computers that you see right now that's being sold to you that you know has a uh, a decent name to it, uh, they're going to they're going to do all the things that you want it to do. You know they're going to be able to do word processing. They're going to be able to do web searching. They're going to be able to do even some image processing. Uh, you know it's when you get to the high end things and video processing and all that that where you may see some uh, some lag in your performance. Uh, so the question is, but in five years, will that processor be doing the things you want it to do, right? And so if you're someone who's thinking, I'm going to be keeping this for five, seven, eight years, then you got to start wondering, might it be worth doing the the better of the processors that's out, knowing that some of the technology that may be coming out in the next few years might tax my system a little bit more. But I am with you. I think that uh, I have used a number of different uh, machines, and a lot of times it's not the processor that seems to make the difference as to the uh, the performance that we're getting. Um, and Alan, just just so people know, there's usually lots of wording and numbers that go with it. We mentioned words already, the gigahertz that are there. You're going to see things. I mean, there's really, am, am I wrong? Is there there's kind of two main processor kind of companies, right? I mean, Intel yep. obviously is a big one. Yep. Um, and yep. you'll see a lot of Intel, you know, they have their i3, i5, i7 processors right now. Um, then you also have the AMD, right? And AMD mm -hmm. is going to have their level of processors, the A4, A6, A8s. And so probably what's helpful is when you go in, maybe before you go into the Best Buy, that you actually get an idea of what the current range is. Right. I mean, what are the, what's the range of processors that come on this particular device? And then you may look and say, oh, well, the high end of that is way out of my price range. It's not even worth considering. And then put yourself in the, the range that you feel like you need to be in. Yeah. Um, and, you know, 
I, I think we're going to get to some specs in a minute that we think are a little bit more important. So it might be that okay. you say, well, let's look at those specs, figure out what I can afford. And then given that, where's my budget in terms of what kind of processor I can get? Yeah. Does that make sense? I'm with you on that. And that's just my, my take on it is, you know, I, of course I'm, I'm more of a Mac person. So I buy a lot of Mac computers that typically come with a fixed processor speed and you maybe have one option to bump up the speed a little bit more for an upgrade and that's it. And uh, generally speaking, since I like to upgrade my laptops probably every three years, three mm -hmm. to four years, uh, going with the base processor that comes with that model is normally totally fine okay. for me. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm in four years time, I'm going to have a new laptop anyway. So I don't need to pay extra money to get a faster one just for more future proofing. Right. Um, right. But I do agree with you. If you intend to keep it longer term, I think it may be worthwhile the investment to upgrade the processor while you do. Yeah. So Brian, I'm like looking at an example here. I okay. just to kind of keep with our example of going on Best Buy uh, just because that seems to be the most ubiquitous place to buy a computer online right now. Um, I'm looking at two different models. Like I'm looking at a Windows computer, uh, a Dell computer running Windows, and I've got an Apple iMac. Both are desktop computers. And just to kind of give some idea of what we're looking at on the processors here, uh, the Dell, keep in mind, it's a, it's a $375 computer. So it's a pretty inexpensive computer. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's got a processor that is a, uh, Intel third generation core i7. Now, again, a lot of terminology, a lot of branding in there, but the idea is this, the i7 is kind of, uh, you got the i3, i5, i7. That's kind of the nomenclature that Intel uses for their processor. And the speed is 3.4 gigahertz, which sounds really good. Um, now, again, there's some other things about this computer that are going to cause it to be a $375 computer, but the processor itself is a pretty, pretty good, robust one. So just goes to show you can get a good, good level processor at a pretty inexpensive speed uh, price. Now, if I flip over to the iMac, so this is where processors, I just don't feel like are, are really what you should base a lot of your decisions on. I flip over to an iMac, obviously an Apple iMac. Uh, this one has a three gigahertz processor. So a comparable speed to the Dell. It's an eighth generation core I five. So it's technically speaking a lower level processor mm -hmm. than what the Dell has as an I seven. But this iMac, of course it includes the monitor and everything is $1,800. Yeah. So again, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the iMac is slower than that Dell. Because again, there's other specs we're going to talk about that are really going to drive the performance I think you're going to see. Um, so that's why I say I don't. I just don't think processors, it's important to know it, but I just don't think it should be a huge, huge determining factor when you're budgeting out your, your computer right now. Yeah, yeah. What about on the laptop well, side? You got a couple examples? Yeah, there? so I, I, pulled up a, I pulled up a laptop, um, a, uh, let's see, this is Lenovo, a Lenovo laptop. Um, on Best running Buy. Windows, obviously. Yeah. Running Windows. Yeah. Windows yep. Yeah. And then I'm comparing that to a MacBook Pro. So the these are a little higher end. So we've got a thousand dollar Lenovo uh, that is a 1.8 gigahertz processor, which again is kind of okay. an interesting piece. You just you just pulled up a 3.3 3 for yeah. 200 and something dollars. This is a thousand dollar laptop. Uh, yeah. Now, given that it is a laptop, so you are paying a little bit more for that technology, but. 1.8 gigahertz. Uh, it's using the um, uh, it's using an i7, um, and okay. you know, and then as I said, it's got the um, 
It's got about a $1,000 price tag. You compare that to a MacBook Pro, a 13-inch MacBook Pro, which is going to range you anywhere from $1,300 to $2,000, depending on um, some of the specs that you put in. But they're going to be you know, starting out with an i5 and saying that it's a 1.4 gigahertz. Uh, mm-hmm. So you also have some other things like single core, dual core, quad core, all of this that kind of complicate things quite a bit. So you may find that a you know, a quad core i5 might be a lot more effective than a single core, you know, i7, right? Yeah. So, so it's kind of a trip. I, I'm with you in that, you know, there's a lot of things there that could complicate it and may not be what's really going to be worth, you know, all the, the bells and whistles of the numbers that you're getting bogged down with. So, um, what I will say is that a lot of these, they'll give you options. As you said, though, the laptop, uh, That MacBook Pro option says they have a 1.4 gigahertz quad core that can also be configurable up to, you know, a 2.3 gigahertz uh, and an i7. So, but there's going to be a significant difference in price there. You're going to be paying several hundred more dollars for that additional processor. Um, So I think you and I are both in the same page. That's probably not where I would spend my money to go and kind of bump up to that you know, best processor, um, given that, as you said, your computer's probably going to last you three, four years. Um, And, you know, I I know a company like Apple, given that we are, you know, we're predominantly Apple people, you're not going to get a bad computer. You're not going to get even their low end of what is new is not going to be, you're not going to struggle with speed. I think you're going to struggle potentially with adding the other things into it to be able to make it do what you want. Yeah. Uh, that's say, that's Alan, you... kind of the point I was going to make. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, 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 even on the Windows side, I don't think going in and getting a base level, you're not going to walk away from it saying it, it's pathetic speed. I mean, you're, right. you, you know, it could be faster, but I think for most general purposes, if you're only, if you're only wanting to get a computer that's three or $400, well, you're going to get a, a, a performance that's a 300, 400, three or $400 computer but it's still good for the price. So I right. think, uh, you know, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you've got, you know, there's a lot of other factors. We talked about operating system last time, operating system, you know, is going to potentially make a difference because most Macs are going to use a processor that speed wise is rated less than what the PC side is for the same thing. But you also notice that the, you know, the, the, the structure of the operating system allows that speed to be maybe utilized a little bit differently. So I really think it's tough to compare Mac and windows or PCs on on on, on specs. I think it's almost impossible because both use different architectures and and manage their resources different ways. So, um, well, let's talk about some of the things I think might make a little bit more of a difference, Brian, if you're okay with that. So, how about let's talk about RAM, R-A-M. That's uh, people hear memory, they hear RAM. Let's go ahead and draw up one clarification really quick before we go any further. When we hear memory, there's actually two different ways you could define memory on a computer. And this trips a lot of people up. I get questions yep. about this all yep. the time. It's like, oh, I hear it's got a lot of, lot, of, lot of hard drives. So that means it can do a lot of things at the same time. It's like, no, that's not, that's not what it means. You've got two different forms of memory. RAM is random access memory. And that is truly your working memory. So in other words, your computer is on, you open up a word processor, then you open up a a web browser, then you open up a PowerPoint. 
it is using your temporary working memory, your RAM, to operate all those things at, at the same time. Uh, it's not saving anything. So it's not, you know, this isn't stuff that's saved like documents to your hard drive uh, or to your computer for your future use. This is truly like working memory. So imagine you have like a brain <laughs> that can only process so many things at the same time. You hear this with people. We say, look, yep. I can only remember a certain number of uh, numbers at the same time, or I can only uh, do a certain number of things simultaneously. That's what a computer RAM is all about. Uh, once you shut down your computer, everything that was in RAM is is, is forgotten. Okay, so uh, it really is meant for doing things simultaneously. Now, if you're someone who just, I open up my word processor and I don't do anything else while I'm typing a document. And then when I'm done, I quit the word document. And then I might go check my email. And then when I'm done, I quit my email. If that's the type of user you are as a computer, one thing at a time, then RAM may not be that terribly important. You may not need to have as much. If you're someone, unfortunately, like me, as I'm looking down at my computer doc and I've got 12 programs running right now, uh, <laughs> maybe I've, I've stopped counting. It's about, it's over 12. Okay. <laughs> um, then RAM is a little more important to me. I, I like having things I can work on simultaneously. So, um, so RAM, I feel like Brian, for my money yeah. is the most important right yep. now, because if you want your computer to feel fast, this idea of having more things running simultaneously without bogging down your computer is one of the greatest leading indicators for people. I feel like as to whether or not they feel like their computer is running fast or not. Yep. Yep. Is yep. that kind of your perception? Or no, you, totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when people say that their computer is running slow, it's usually switching from one thing to the other or opening up a new application uh, where you have other things running at the same time. And they're kind of struggling because their brain is moving forward and wanting something to happen and their computer's lagging behind. Right. And if you can get enough RAM, generally you start to have your computer kind of keep up with you. Right. And that's what you really want. So, you know, it feels like there's a, you know, this, this is similar to when we used, when we were talking about internet several shows ago, right. When we talked about you know, bandwidth and speed, right. The fact that you can do lots of things at once versus how fast it's going to get to you. Right. And yeah. so you may have the processor, which is how fast is that thing going to get done? Whereas RAM mm -hmm. is, well, how many of these things can we do at once? And if you can't do more of them at once, it doesn't matter how fast your processor is. We're not going to get to it, right? So yeah. I agree with you. If you can, you know, most of us will not notice a ton of a difference with mm -hmm. if it is one thing that we're opening up on our computer and there's nothing else running and we're wanting to press a key and have that key kind of show up with a letter on the screen, we're not going to notice the lag in that. We're not going to notice the difference in that. What we are going to notice is I'm switching over to my mail and I'm switching back to something else and there's a lag and there's something happening or I'm opening up a new application and it takes forever to load because I've got, you know, like you, 12, 13 things opened and it's struggling, right? So I agree that this is where I'm going to look and it's going to be the one part where I say I will spend whatever my money will allow to get the uh, the RAM up to where, uh, where, where I can, right? So now... And here's why I think RAM is also kind of a critical decision to make. I mentioned before that processors are not really something you can just easily upgrade on a computer over time uh, because they are, for the most part, very much soldiered on the computer or, or soldered on their 
Uh, now, some custom PCs you build, you may have more flexibility with upgrading processor, but definitely on a Mac, you cannot. They're pretty locked down on that. Now, RAM is an interesting point as well, too, because on a Mac, almost all Macs that are made now, um, I think with the exception of the new Mac Pro, uh, the RAM is not upgradable, meaning right. once you get it, it is... It is set on the board. So if you get eight gigabytes of RAM on your computer, that's the RAM you've got. Now, it used to be back in the day. I mean, upgrading RAM was one of my second favorite things to do after backing up computers. Um, <laughs> you were so exciting. You were so exciting. RAM, the well, ladies used, used to, to love you when you were growing up too, didn't they? <laughs> well, I tell you, I tell you, uh, I, RAM used to be super cheap and easy yep. to get. Yep. It's like you pop open your computer, you drop in these new RAM chips and all of a sudden, boom, your yeah, RAM has doubled. Your computer now runs like a whole new computer. Uh, you can't really do that these days. Now on the Windows PC side, you know, depending on how custom your box is, some all-in-one, some laptops, they're kind of going the Mac route and trying to get you locked in on those. Others will let you upgrade it just like you have been before. So um, that's why it becomes a little bit more of an important decision. I didn't used to stress about RAM because I always felt like I could add some later, even on a laptop. Nowadays, I do stress about what RAM I get because that's pretty much what I'm locked into. Um, So for example, if I look at my examples, Brian, on this, this Dell, the $370 one I was mentioning as my kind of uh, lower end example one here, uh, the actual RAM on this computer for that price is 16 gigabytes, which mm, nowadays is kind of becoming kind of the standard. It's, yeah. uh, it, I'd say, you know, you've seen it go from one to two to four to eight. I'd say eight is probably what I've seen most likely lately as kind of a base standard uh, RAM. And then 16 is kind of becoming the newer level that I think the the, the core level is starting to move to. Um, so yeah, 16 gigabytes of RAM on this really inexpensive Windows PC. And then on the iMac computer, the uh, uh, the Apple one, it's only eight gigabytes. And again, mm-hmm. the Apple was much, much higher expensive. Again, does that mean that the Windows computer is going to be able to do twice as much at the same time as the Mac? Not necessarily, because again, it still is tied into the computer, the type of computer you get. But could I say that uh, at 16 gigabytes on the Windows computer, I can certainly have a lot more things open and running and feel like it's going to run a lot smoother. Yeah, it mm-hmm. will. Um, the Mac uses its RAM pretty efficiently. So eight gigabytes on a RAM is still pretty good. Um, it would make me a little worried to get eight on a, on a machine right now, uh, especially as computers keep advancing and we're doing more and more on our computers. Uh, to me, 16 is kind of the sweet spot as far as where I feel like RAM wise right right now. What about yeah. you? What's your, yeah. what's your take on that? No, that's good. I, I mean, just to, to compare the the laptops that I brought up earlier, the uh, the Lenovo laptop has a 12 gigabytes uh, of RAM, okay. whereas the MacBook Pro starts at eight. And then it yep. looks like it's configurable, depending on your model, configurable up to either 16 or 32. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just, I think that... Yeah, I think to me the eight right now with the uh, with what uh, apps are using on our uh, on our computers, I think eight is probably a minimum. You know, it wasn't that long ago that you could get by with one, with two. Mm-hmm. You know, four was great, and now all of a sudden, you know, everything is is requiring more, right? Everything that we do is yeah. requiring more processing uh, to go on at one time. So. 
so I think, you know, that's where I'll max that out within my budget um, as I can. The other thing I wanted to mention, Alan, is that, and, it, and as you said, it's probably not as important for a lot of people these days, but if you buy a computer that is c- configurable after the fact, where you can potentially add some more RAM, it is also important to be thinking about uh, the, the uh, amount of RAM per stick that you have. Right. Mm -hmm. You remember, this was always a really frustrating thing to me is that if you bought a computer that had two, two slots for RAM, meaning you could put two RAM chips in and you decided to buy, let's say, eight gigabytes of RAM and it came where each of those slots would take up to, you know, eight. Right. So maybe it's configurable up to 16. You buy it with eight and all of a sudden they give you a four and a four. Well, the problem with that is. Well, now if I'm going to switch in the future, I have to switch them both out in order to max out, right? It would have been great if they would have just put in one slot of eight so that I could easily add another slot of eight and kind of save myself money down the road. So uh, that's one of the things to think about is not only like how much RAM do I have, but what's the capacity of RAM within the machine Mm -hmm. that I have? Is this something that in three years I could put some new RAM in there and actually, as you said, feel like I've got a new machine or not? Or is it already maxed out or has one slot been maxed out or, you know, so you need to kind of take a look and say, where is it now? What could it be? And do I have the capability of doing that or not? Well, like you said on a Mac, most of those you don't. So, you know, you need to buy it up front. And of course they charge money for that. They charge a lot of money. I think Mac, yes, uh, Mac charges way too much for RAM, but they also know Great. that you got to get it once and you got to get it now. And we're going to, you know, we're going to make you pay it while you're you know, while you're willing to throw down the money. So that's a very, very good points on all those. I think those decision points are getting fewer and fewer as time goes on, because I think more and more manufacturers are going to say, Hey, look, we're selling a lot more laptops. Let's just go ahead and, um, you know, have those fused onto the board. So we, you have to buy the Ram you want when you first get it. It's going to be those custom built PC desktops that are still going to have that capability for some time. Now I think the Mac pro, like the latest pro version of the Mac has upgradable Ram slots and all too. So there's still going to be some computers that do that. But if all this is kind of glazing you over as you hear us talk about it, just know that you just kind of need to make that choice up front and that may be what you're stuck with depending on the type of computer. But um, I, I think the eight to 16 range is kind of where most people are falling right now as far as yeah. RAM goes. Yeah. Um, 32 is kind of, to me, it's a dream. I, it's not what I have right now. I've got 16. Um, but you know, if you're doing a lot of heavy graphic applications, video processing and audio processing and other things going on simultaneously, that RAM, you do start to notice that improvement in RAM the more you have. So, but again, if you are kind of core computer user, web, uh, office, email, those types of applications, uh, eight is plenty fine, I feel like. Uh, You could even probably get by with four, but eight is kind of the standard that you'll find in the store. And I think it's perfectly fine for those those uses. Yeah, and and I'm I'm someone who doesn't get bogged down in the the speed of the RAM and all of that. There's also some other kind of technical numbers that go with that. I look simply at the amount and, um, you know, get, uh, get the most I can for the money that I'm willing to spend. Um, so that, exactly. uh, same here. Yeah. So I can take advantage. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson creative, 
a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. So well, let's, now let's compare this against the other kind of memory. Yeah, um, yeah. So because this is, again, still a confusion point, hard drive or, or hard drive space, hard drive storage. Kind of walk us through this. What, yeah. What are you so, about? well, for me, for me, you, you mentioned it earlier. It's the, the human brain analogy, right? It's the, the RAM is the things. It's my working memory. It's my short term memory. It's the things I can do at one time. Whereas the hard drive is going to be your long term memory. Right. What? Where? It's the. It's the. It's the. Uh, it's the, the file, file storage. The file cabinet. Exactly. Yeah. How big of a file cabinet do I need? Right. Um, you might say, okay, file cabinet analogy. Right. You've got a file cabinet on your desk, and, and then you got space on your desk. Right. How much space on your desk is your RAM? Like with all the things you could do at one time, but you know you're going to have to put stuff in the file cabinet to get it away to save it for later. Yeah. How big of a file cabinet do I need? Now this is this is one, and and I I haven't talked to you about this beforehand, so I'm not sure if you agree, but this is one I'm becoming less and less concerned about over time. Yep. I, and mm-hmm. quite honestly, I have kind of reversed my thought on this um, in the last probably two or three years, to where you know I don't spend extra on hard drive space for my computer. I, I go with probably the lowest or close to the lowest that they offer in terms of this, uh, and then I'll spend more money on the RAM. Uh, and my reasoning for that is just what we talked about, uh, going paperless and everything in our previous episodes, I, st- I store a ton of stuff on, uh, on the cloud and yep. I really don't like to s- store a lot of stuff on my computer anymore. Uh, the only thing that, that makes me want to potentially have a larger hard drive would be, you know, I take a lot of photos. And there might be video and things like that. But now I'm starting to get to a point that, to me, that needs to be in an external drive so that yep. it's not bogging down my machine. So for me, we'll see. And that's yeah. something I go smaller and I do not pay extra for hard drive space on the machine itself. You? I, I, um, I'm, I'm not quite to that point, but I'm getting closer. Yeah. Um, I definitely have seen less of a desire to get a lot of, a lot of extra storage space on my computer. Uh, for the same reasons you mentioned, I do a lot more online, uh, you know, even videos. I mean, it used to be that I would keep, we do video production here and I would keep copies of all the video, master copies of all the videos I have ever done. And those obviously eat up a lot of hard drive space for storage. Mm-hmm. But now we keep them up on a private kind of YouTube channel. And that's where we keep our master videos that I can pull up anytime. And playing the video on YouTube is using RAM because it's working temporary memory but it doesn't take up any hard drive space because I'm right. not storing it on my computer. So um, I'm with you on that. Now I'm still someone who's a little bit of a pack rat. I still like to have local copies of things and I get a little worried about trusting everything to be online all the time. So I keep a lot of documents on my computer when we're editing video or other things that the, the content, the, the footage has to be on your computer. You really can't edit video online as well. There's certain reasons I will have stuff on my computer here, but once I'm done with a project, I move all that to an external hard drive. I hook up a drive, I put it over there, and I put that drive away. So I try to keep my actual hard drive storage on my main computer as slim as possible. So uh, that's another reason I like minimizing the hard drive space is because I know that I can get external drives that give me infinite amount of external storage to put stuff on. Mm-hmm. And instead of paying 
hundreds of dollars more to get a larger hard drive on my computer, I could pay $75 and get a really nice big external drive yes. and yes. store everything there. So yep. yeah, it, financially it, it makes sense. And also just where our online world is moving to, it makes sense. And again, if you told me, like you said, if I had to choose where I was going to put money into upgrading my computer when I buy it, uh, I'll put it in the RAM yep. because I can't really upgrade that later or change that or do much more with it after a fact. Hard drive, I can always buy more external drives and store stuff on those. So um, yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Now, I will say that there are a couple things that are important to note about hard drives that, that they have had a big change in the last several years mm -hmm. going from what's considered the more traditional spinning hard drives. And they call them spinning because if you actually watch this, the drive outside of your computer, you would see it's got a spinning wheels. You can hear it almost spinning inside. Moving to what's called a SSD, solid state drive. Uh, solid state drive is basically like a, like the little smart media cards you get to pop mm -hmm. in like your cameras to, to save things on. Yeah. yeah, it's like that, just really big. So, um, it's really nice. They are super reliable, a lot more than the spinning hard drives were. Um, and they're a lot faster than the spinning hard drives were, but they're also a lot more expensive. So yeah. that's another reason why I tend to go on the lower end of the storage purchase, just because yeah. it's also a lot cheaper. It's really expensive to get a, a nice larger SSD on your computer. So, Yeah. So you're saying you'll, you'll spend the extra money to make sure it's an SSD but probably not spend the extra money to go really large yeah. with that SSD, right? And that's exactly where I am. I'll go with, yeah. I'll go probably with the lowest size SSD that they offer. So, for example, uh, coming back to the Apple that I mentioned earlier, the uh, the laptop MacBook Pro. You know, if you say I want the particular processor, and then it says, all right, storage wise, it's going to come with a 512 gigabyte. SSD storage drive. If you wanted that to be one terabyte, which is to double it, you know, that's adding $200. You want it to be a four terabyte, which is times eight, that's $1,200 extra. So all of a sudden, I mean, you're, you're really ratcheting up the cost of this thing just to get the storage. Whereas where you said you can easily get a terabyte drive to sit outside your computer. And if you're sitting down at a desk, have that terabyte drive in, you could be storing things there continuously and not, you know, filling up your uh, your laptop or your desktop. So yeah. I think that's where I would want to spend my money. Um, the SSDs are great. They are, you know, so much more reliable, as you mentioned, um, and quieter and, you know, just everything oh, yeah. is is really snappy about it. So I'm I'm very, very happy with that. Yeah, just just know, like you were saying, that the SSDs are more expensive, so you will get more a larger hard drive if you go with the more traditional. They call them HDD, is what you may see in the yeah. specs. It's kind of that spinning hard drive HDD. You'll get a lot more storage. I mean this this little uh, Dell Optiplex I was I, I keep using as a reference point, three hundred seventy five dollars. It comes with a three. Or I'm sorry, two terabyte hard drive. But it's a it's a spinning HDD drive. Uh, it's not an SSD. Now, even the iMac that I was configuring, it's a slightly older iMac. It, it's also a spinning drive. It's not an SSD, and it's a one terabyte drive. Um, size wise, on these things, I, you know, um, it's such a subjective thing. I mean, I, I've seen people who don't do anything that they don't store anything on their computer 
everything they do is online and they can get by with, I mean, it may be 128 gigabyte. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a low end gigabyte, I think yep. for a hard drive. Uh, I think I have a 512 gigabyte, which I kind of got a mid range one when I got my laptop. Uh, and I store a lot of video, a lot of other things on it, but I'm constantly having to kind of move things off to some external drives. So when you talk about a terabyte drive or two terabyte drive, I mean, it's pretty, it's huge. You got yep. plenty of room to store stuff, yep. but you may not need to. I mean, that may not be your purpose. So again, if you are a heavy online user storing files online, you do a lot of uh, emails and work online. If all you're doing on your computer work-wise is, you know, documents and spreadsheets and maybe some PowerPoints, you do not need a lot of storage space. You really don't. Um, if you're doing heavy photo, video, audio editing, um, or you're using, you're, you build a pretty big library of those media types, then uh, size is going to be a little more important. Yeah. So. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. And I will just say on a, on a side note, Alan, this is advice I give to people when they're choosing a phone as well is that it, oh, it, yeah. for a long time it was, oh my gosh, I take a lot of pictures. I need a big, you know, I need to buy the extra uh, hard drive space uh, for this, uh, the storage space. And I, and I kind of argue with people and say, all you really need to do is kind of get in a habit of putting things on the cloud, you know, Google photos yeah. or something else, uh, because you can get by with a much smaller uh, size of your, uh, your drive on a phone as well. And given that, you know, I personally don't want, all my stuff on this one device, right? And Mm -hmm. the only person I would say or the type of person that really ought to be spending for that terabyte drive is if you're someone who on your laptop will go and work in remote locations and need access to all of your stuff. So if you're a video editor and wants to do it on a place where you may not have a ethernet connection to be able to pull that down from the cloud, then pay for it. But most of us us can go and be able to to deal with things from the cloud. So very true. I mean, if you, if you find yourself in situations without internet access, a lot of places, or you travel a lot and you need to make sure you've got access to everything while you're traveling, then the larger hard drive could make sense. You, uh, I know services like Dropbox or iCloud or some of these will sync your, your documents up. So you've got it in the cloud and you've got a local copy on your computer. So in case you're not online, you can still work on them. Um, so that's something you can use if you've got the hard drive space to support it. And if you don't, the good news is that most of these services will know that and say, well, we're not going to sync these documents or we're going to try to help manage your space to make sure we're not filling up your hard drive if we don't need to. So right. um, hard drive space is definitely kind of diminished in its importance over time. And uh, But you know there again, Brian, I mean, core uh, base level computers I'm pricing out right now, I mean, you've got at least a terabyte hard drive that comes on those stock, you know, unless you choose to go with an SSD, even SSDs are starting to get to a point where you're getting that kind of size to look at. So it's, there's plenty of space. (laughs) There's plenty of storage space for most people. Yeah. Uh, Of course I say that my son with a a gaming PC at home has topped that thing out with every (laughs) game he's downloaded and stored on the computer. So, you know, it is going to depend on the application. That's for sure. Yep. yep. And just Alan, we we kind of failed to mention, but you know, gigabyte, terabyte, right? Terabyte oh, right, equals right. kind yeah, of a yeah. thousand gigabytes. So you mm-hmm. know, not long ago, several years ago, we would have been talking about megabytes and gigabytes, and how gigabytes are wow, that's the that's a big number. And now we've jumped up to terabytes, right? And terabytes yeah. being a thousand gigabytes. So when you 
when you think about the size of a terabyte, okay, that is that is massive. That is, you know, a gigabyte is going to be something a flash drive used to be a flash drive would take, you know, whatever, 250 megabytes or something. And then when it got to a flash drive that we could have a gigabyte on, we're like, wow. Okay, well, that's a thousand of those, right, that are on your computer. So, yeah. Well, here's another way to think about it, too. If you are someone who likes to have movies, like full-length, two-hour-long, high-definition quality movies downloaded and stored on your computer, those can range anywhere from, like, two to five or six gigabytes for a movie, a good high quality movie. So two to five gigabytes, let's just say four gigabytes to keep it clean. And uh, if you've got a terabyte drive, that technically means you could have what's four into a thousand. Um, 250. Yeah. Yeah. 250. You could have 250 high definition movies sitting on your computer with a terabyte drive. So um, if that gives you any sense of, and those are probably the biggest type of files I can imagine you would have. Right. So uh, definitely a lot of room on those. So, Well, Alan, let's, let's move on to some of the other things that they, that may kind of uh, require some decisions when they're buying the, uh, the computer. And, and I will say this is the one thing that I think has causes a lot of confusion these days. Um, and it's also going to cause a lot of frustration these days, which is what are the connections? What are the things I can connect to this computer? And what are the ports that it has available to be able to connect in? So, for example, let's start with the easy one, right? And this, of course, has changed when we talked about phones, but really hasn't changed for the laptop. Most of them are going to have a headphones jack, right? So that you'd be able to plug your headphones in. Now, for do you now. need it? For now. Do you need it? Mm-hmm. Probably not shortly, right? Everything's going to be Bluetooth yeah. and all of that, right? Um, but you may see, well, am I somebody who would like to have, you know, do I want to be required to have uh, Bluetooth headphones or not? So look for the headphone jack. Um, headphone jack's pretty constant. Even Macs, as, as port averse as they are, even their laptops still have a headphone jack. So yep. we're, stay, we're still safe in that area right now. For now. Right. You're right. Um, now, a lot of people would be kind of frustrated to know that many of the laptops don't have Ethernet ports anymore. So a lot of them have moved away from those Ethernet ports, which means you can't plug the Internet directly into your computer unless you have the dreaded, the D word. Dongle. Dongle. The dongle. Dongle. Yeah. So now, granted, a lot of people may not need Ethernet. You know, we talked about in a previous episode, Wi-Fi and how wireless is just, you know, kind of where everybody wants to be. And uh, most home networks are going to be wireless driven. And so, you know, the, the computer manufacturers know that and said, look, we, we don't even think a lot of people need ethernet anymore. So let's just, let's just keep it wireless. That's not to say you can't have an ethernet port if you have a dongle to attach it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'd say most people are going to be probably not needing it. Now, again, in my situation, I have at my home office, I've got a a dongle connected to an ethernet cable sitting on my desk. So when I bring my laptop in, I pop it in. I know I've got a good wired connection to the, to the internet, but it's not as essential as it used to be. It's definitely, I I can still work and do plenty fine on a wireless network if I, if I had to these days. Yeah. But let's think about this. So if you have a laptop, right? Yeah. Ethernet may not be as important, right? Dongle might be just fine because you're going to go different places and be able to tap in. If you get a desktop, you should hope that it has an Ethernet port, right? Desktop now, should still have Ethernet ports. Yeah, yeah. and then the, then the question really is, do I pay to have the Wi-Fi card be, built in to be able to tap to Wi-Fi, right? Yeah. Well, if I have an Ethernet 
port or an ethernet cable at my desk, probably don't need that. If you're not sure, get it with both, right? Get it with both mm-hmm. if you can. Um, you're right. I mean, the laptop, basically the laptop has gotten to the point where size matters and in terms of being smaller. And they're trying to get rid of all the ports that are large, right? And what are the ports that are large? Mm-hmm. Ethernet is a large port. Oh, yeah. uh, VGA, yeah. right? Kind of the, the video port, the old video port uh, is a, it was a larger port. It's gotten rid of that. Um, and now you can get a lot of PCs that still have these, but Mac certainly have gone away from those and gone to a more common port, very small port yeah. uh, that allows them to be able to do that. Well, Macs and I'd say... Uh... Uh, Windows laptops have laptops gone have, to yeah. getting rid of a lot of these ports as well. So really your Windows PCs are the only ones where you can still add ports to a lot of them if you have slots to add them or uh, you can get them configured with or without certain ways. Um, yeah, just But Macs are going to be pretty much locked down to one or two options you've got, and that's that's going to be it. So what other, yeah. what other things would you look for, Alan, if you were getting a laptop? Well, I am... Uh, the whole we got to talk about USB only yeah, because it just really. pains me to talk about this, but we really. kind of have to. USB is the cable type of port that probably the most ubiquitous cable right now for anything you buy. It is that rectangular looking uh, port on the end. It comes with your webcams. It comes with your printers. It comes with uh, most external hard drives. Pretty much for the last several years, that has been the connector. If you buy anything, it's a USB, and it's called a USB A. It's kind of the, the official term. It's for the it. rectangle. It's the square rectangle. The rectangle. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's the yeah. longer, the bigger rectangle. The, again, very, very standard port that people yep. see. And uh, I will say desktop computers and Windows laptops still will give you some ports that are USB-A. Um, if you go with a newer Mac, you are not going to find a USB port, USB-A port on there anymore. Uh, they make dongles, and I think I even recommended one of them in a previous episode mm-hmm. as my suggestion, a little $5 metal dongle you can put on the end of a USB-A cable to turn it into another connector. But USB-A is still the most ubiquitous. I mean, pretty much if you go and buy any utility right now, my money's on that it's going to be a USB-A connector like by default. Um, so it's tough to see computers moving away from those those ports because that just means if you want to still use some older equipment and supplies or utility or accessories, you're going to need adapters to make them work with newer computers. Um, yeah. But it's called USB-A level A. It's based on speed. It really is how fast information can carry on that port. USB-A is kind of the base level speed. It's not, it's not a cable that, you know, they're going to use with really, really high end video work. Um, but it is going to, cover most cases for everybody. So, yeah. And then what is, what is the current standard of USB, Alan? So current we have is USB C. USB C. Don't yeah. ask about, we don't talk about USB B. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's skip right over that. No, we I shall I not mention its that. name. Yeah. Uh, USB C is the new standard. Yeah. Now, when you look at that port, it is, uh, and this is what's frustrating too, is it's very, very similar to like the port on your iPhone, the lightning port. It is a very, very small rounded rectangular port and uh, it can get easily mistaken for other types of ports, which is a little bit of a problem. Um, but that is kind of the new standard. If you buy a Mac these days, it is going to be USB-C connections on it. Uh, and some new Windows laptops are coming standard with those. 
Uh, if you get a desktop, chances are it may or may not have that. You have to kind of really check the specs and see. But um, the good news is there are adapters to go between USB-A and USB-C. So you're never going to be locked out of something. It just means it all just comes down to a question of how many dongles you want to carry around. Right. right. Yep. USB-C is much faster, which is why you know people like it. It can carry power a lot better. So mm-hmm. I, for example, have a little hub hooked up to my laptop. It is a USB-C hub that has right now three different USB cables connected to the hub. It's got power, it's got ethernet and it's got an audio all on this one hub. And it's all coming into a single USB port on my computer, which is awesome because it can actually power my computer. It can power my USB devices. It can power my uh, monitor. I'm pushing HDMI out to my monitor on it and all that's through one port. So that's great. It's very, very powerful ports. But it's just the fact that we've been so used to USB-A for so many years. It's uh, it's yeah. like moving away from floppies and CDs and everything else we've done over the years. It's just just a painful transition. Yeah. And, the, of course, the goal for these computer companies is they want you to be able to go to the coffee shop, pull out your laptop, work, and not really have to worry about all your peripherals, right? I mean, the dongles are kind of, they want that to be the exception, rather than the rule, right? They don't want you to say, oh, every time you pull out this computer, you have to plug all these things in. No, they want you to be able to, you can plug those things in, but having good Wi-Fi, uh, having the you know storage on the device, having the, uh, uh, the ability to, uh, to connect wirelessly, Bluetooth, all of that, um, they're hoping that you don't need anything else. And that when you do, yeah. that it's fewer and fewer, so you don't get as frustrated with these dongles. But Currently, for many of us, it is very frustrating. Um, I'll I'll say the best computer that I have ever had was, was it the 2015. I think it was the the MacBook Pro, the one that had the HDMI connection on it. It had several USB A connections on it. It had a I think it was a Thunderbolt connection. You had all these. It had an SD card connection. Mm-hmm. You basically had all these ways of plugging things in, you know, and being a teacher, I would go to a different classroom, be able to plug an HDMI cable in and it was great. And I knew everything was going to work. Um, I think I got to my laptop has gone ahead of where my profession is. <laughs> so, you know, I still have to do a lot of uh, dongle uh, usage and make sure that I carry things with me. But um, hopefully we get to the point that that's not the case. But um, so if you're somebody who is in a position where you think I'm going to have to connect to a lot of peripherals, you may be thinking, you may want to think about what kind of computer and what kind of ports that they have on them uh, and whether mm-hmm. or not that's something that's going to be too frustrating to be able to carry all these around or if you want something built in. Um, so, um, yeah, Alan, I, I agree. Yeah. I, it's, 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 it's frustrating, you know, once you get, but the good news is I think we're moving in a good direction where I do like the USB-C connector and the things I get that are, are native to it are really good. It's just, it's just, it's that painful transition, but you yep. know, yep. like for example, on the, on the Dell that I was pricing out the really inexpensive one, uh, it has 10 USB-A ports on it, <laughs> wow. but no, no USB-C. So it's, you know, it is going all in on just making sure you can connect everything you've got legacy equipment to it. You need to, yeah. On the Mac side, you know, well, this older iMac I was pricing on Best Buy is also, was one of the last ones to still use uh, USB-A ports. It's got four of them. 
but then it also has two of the USB-C ports. So it's kind of, it was a bridge computer to kind of help him to have both. Yep. My laptop I've got right now, I'm looking at four USB-C connectors and that's it. So yep. um, yeah, so it's, it's it definitely is moving in that direction. So now if you're in the market to go out and get a new hard drive or a new device that's going to connect to your computer, I think it's a good move to see if there's a USB-C one available, if it's going to go with your new computer, because that's one less dongle you have to keep up with yep. and you're going to get better speed on it, better performance on it. But uh, anyway, that's just, I try to look for that whenever I'm going out and pricing things now. So. Yeah. Well, and what are some other, just kind of wrap wrap up our specs piece here. Yeah. What are some of those other things that we might see that could potentially make a difference, right? Battery, um, we haven't talked about the battery. Okay. Do we have to worry battery. too much about yeah. battery? Can you upgrade no, a battery I mean, too much? Not really. Yeah. No, I mean, You're kind of stuck you can it. swap out a battery. And of course, if you, you know, granted desktop, it's not an issue, but on a laptop, right. um, some Windows computers will still let you swap out the battery, but they're going more and more away from that. Yeah. Because again, it saves space, uh, makes the laptop smaller if they don't have to make the battery replaceable. Max gave up on replaceable batteries a while back. Yeah. Now you can still take it to a service center and they can swap out, exchange the battery if the battery is going bad, but you can't upgrade a battery or can't right. get a larger we'll battery take a, for it. Take a second battery with you on your travels or anything. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, well, you could do that if you plug up Not an external pack. one, but you, external. but you couldn't pop it into the computer itself. So yeah, you're kind of stuck with the battery that comes with the device you're going to get. It is what it is. Uh, luckily, they're getting better with battery life and every every computer that comes out in phone seems to have a better battery life to it. Um, you mentioned Wi-Fi or wireless cards before. Again, any laptop you get nowadays is going to have wireless built in, so you don't have to worry about that. It's really a question of if you get a desktop computer, will it have wireless built in? Every Mac that comes out now has wireless built in on the desktop side. So it's really just down to your PC if you're going to get a custom PC or uh, a Windows-based PC, does it have wireless on it or do you need to add that as a card to get wireless? Yeah. Now, you may be fine, like you said, with just Ethernet and I'm just going to plug into the internet. The computer's not going to move, so I don't need to worry about it. But if you do have a situation where you need to connect to wireless in your home and you don't want to run cables, you just need to make sure that desktop computer does have a wireless capability card on it. So, yeah. Yeah, right. so, I mean, that's... That's really the specs oh, yeah, you got to right? deal with. I mean, yeah. screen size, we didn't really talk about, but that only really applies when you're dealing with a laptop. I mean, obviously, if you get a desktop, you can hook up pretty much any size screen you're going to want. Yeah. Um, it's going to power it, should power it just fine. HDMI is kind of the default standard for video for, for monitors right now. Um, I don't see that really changing anytime soon. I know they've yeah. talked about some other standards, but HDMI is still pretty much the standard right now for your computer gets connected to a monitor. Now, of course, on a Mac with USB-C, there's no HDMI port, so you got to get an adapter or yeah. dongle once yeah. again. So, uh, but that's the main things I'm saying right now, Brian, just kind of wrap it up from my perspective. And I want to hear yours as well. If I'm pricing on a new computer or I'm trying to figure out what to recommend to somebody, my biggest question mark is what type of work do you do on that computer? And are you someone who tends to work on a lot of things at the same time or are you kind of a monotask person because ram will be my biggest question mark of how much ram do you need i'd follow that up with how much hard drive space you need which i'm going to recommend lowered these days mm -hmm. but i still want to make sure that you know people can still store what they need to store on their device processor kind of comes last in my decision tree process 
and then um and then ports are just they are kind of what they are i i unless somebody tells me they absolutely have to have native hb usb a ports on their computer then that will drive some of that computer decision but otherwise i'd say you go with the ports that are the ports that computer comes with standard and just be prepared you may have to have some dongles to make it work so anyway, that's that's kind of the way I view it right now. How are you? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm, yeah. I think I'm in the same page. I think we talked about in our last episode operating system. I mean, once you decide on the operating system, then a lot of your port decisions are made for you. You know, if you go a Mac, it's going to you're going to be kind of limited in your ports, and you're going to be going with dongles. Um, but you will hate it for a while. You will hate it. Um, <laughs> But then it's also going to push you, right? So this this is also the same, this is the same thing that's happening with uh, the phones getting rid of their headphone jack, right? Is they're saying, you're going to hate it for now, but we know in the long run, this is going to be a better experience for you, right? To get rid of wires, right? Is what they're trying to do. Same thing's happening with the computers, right? They're saying, hey, by the way, if you hate dongles enough, then you'll start connecting wirelessly to these things. And eventually this is going to be a much cleaner and beautiful experience. I agree. The transition's tough though. Um, but I'm with you. I'll go in uh, and say, if I'm buying a computer, I'll think what kind of RAM can I, uh, can I afford? And then uh, I will probably take the uh, lowest hard drive, as long as it's a SSD drive that they offer um, mm-hmm. to, that goes with that. And, uh, and then the processor is going to be one of the last things I worry about. If there's, if there's two options next to each other and one's got a faster processor, great. And if I can afford that, that's good. But, uh, but I'm not going to spend a ton more money on that. So, yeah. I'm so I, and I'm a big, yeah, I'm a big believer in that. Get the, get the Ram, uh, that you feel like is going to, uh, uh that you can afford right now. And yeah. I think it's going to make your computer computing experience uh, much cleaner. So, well, well one thing, and, and, and Brian, I'm actually going to advocate that maybe this is a future topic or discussion we get into. We didn't really talk about graphics cards yeah. and, um, yeah. you know, it is to me, that's a much deeper conversation. Uh, I will just say this is kind of a blanket statement. You know, when you hear about what graphics come with a, a, a computer um, on a Mac, you're typically going to be kind of, given this is what the graphics capability is for this laptop or or desktop, you may have the option of upgrading it when you buy it, unless you are a video professional, someone that's really needing high-end video or high-end gaming. I don't put, I don't feel like there's a real need to get higher end on the graphics card. Um, But there are going to be the situations. I kind of feel like that may be a topic we may want to go a little deeper into some other future topic on graphics in general and just, just you know, video, kind of video and, and being able to video capabilities on things because uh, graphics cards are important. I'm not going to downplay them. They are very important, but they become really something to pay attention to. If you're in a field where you do a lot with video in graphic design or 3d animation or video gaming, gaming, otherwise yeah. you're going to be fine with kind of whatever comes with the, uh, the computer to do the work you want to do. Right. So, so you're saying the Facebook right. videos, Facebook videos are going to be okay either way. Is that what you're saying? Facebook, Instagram filters, you should still be okay. okay. You can still make, uh, put your, put your bunny ears on your, on your head. Yeah. And I'm still going to be able to watch graphic. videos of cats wearing hats and stuff though, right? I mean, that's that, absolutely. Okay. That's, uh, yeah. All right. Should not need a graphics card update to watch those. Okay. Because <laughs> I don't, because I don't, I don't want any pixelating on my no, cats. No, I, cats. I, I, hey, I hear you. I hear you. Absolutely. I get you. <laughs> Um, 
So Brian, I think that's all the specs we yeah. want to kind of cover. I mean, yeah. again, it may not be every spec you see when you look at a, a box, but probably the ones that are going to determine the cost more than anything are those things we talked about. And I uh, hope that was helpful for everybody. Yeah. Um, kind of to wrap up this discussion on process or specs on computers and all, uh, we got a couple of suggestions to give mm. our brothers in tech suggestions. Oh, it's time best. for that. So best. do you mind if I go first? Oh, sure. Sure. I'll okay. Cool. Yep, go ahead. So mine is, uh, since we are in a deep dive episode, we're assuming if you've stuck with us through this conversation and you're at this point, you may be interested in looking at some some little more uh, niche, a little more uh, techie related suggestions. So I'm a Mac guy. Brian is a Mac guy. We, we've kind of established that from the very first episode we've recorded of this show. And we make no apologies for it. I mean, I've been working on an Apple IIe since 1978, I think, and Macintosh in 84, uh, somewhere in that neighborhood. And I kind of am a little bit of a buff when it comes to history of Macintosh computers. I think it's, I've been through, I've been through the whole wide gamut of Mac computers over the years. I've been with them in their high points. I've been with them in their low points. I've been back with them on some high points. So I have an app that's a free app you can download and it's very helpful for me, but even if it's not helpful for somebody, you may just find it to be interesting nostalgia to look at. It's an app called Mac Tracker. So M-A-C-T-R-A-C-K-E-R, Mac Tracker. And you can find it at MacTracker.ca, which is the, I think, Canada extension, if I remember correctly. Is that right, Brian? Yes, it is. .ca. You're, you're closer to Canada than I am, so I just want to make sure I'm right on that. Hey. Backtracker.ca. You can download the app. It's a small little app that downloads, and you can just run it on your, on obviously, on your Mac computer. And what it does is it shows you, in kind of a nice organization chart, it shows you every model of Macintosh computer or device that's ever been made. So, for example, if I wanted to find out um, what the specs were on uh, a PowerBook G3 that I used to have back in the day, I can actually go to the PowerBook G3 tab and there's not only listings, but also pictures of every single one of the computers and their, uh, their, their specs. Now you may be asking yourself, why do I even need this? If, if not for just nostalgia, you know, I, I, I've actually had a lot of times where I have needed it. For example, if I have an older Mac computer that someone is needing some help with, and I want to find out what the latest version of the operating system that can run on that computer is. This application will tell you that. I can actually go and find that computer. It will say uh, when the computer came out, what the price was at the time it came out. It can tell me uh, what processor it has, what speed it had when it was sold. But also on the software, it will say it came with this version of the OS installed on it. And the last version of the operating system you can install on it is this version. So I can look at it and say, oh, okay, that's good to know is that, uh, you know, uh, for example, this PowerBook G4 I pulled up, 17-inch that I used to have, it came with Mac OS 10.3, and the maximum I could install on it was 10.5. So good to know. Yeah. So it, it, in other words, if I came across one of those, and I wanted to upgrade it to the latest version, I would know right away that's the highest I could go on there. Um, 
it also shows you what kind of connections it has. So I could see like how many USB ports and other things it had. This one actually had a 56K modem built in. So that was kind of nice to see. Nice. So I just love it. I, don't, I, I only use it once in a blue moon. And part of my job is I kind of help do some consulting with people on some of their tech needs. And it's helpful to see this on a Mac side. And uh, now on a Windows, I don't know if it's even possible on a PC environment because you've got there's thousands and thousands yeah, of so many different options. At least with Apple, it's a little more controlled. They can actually monitor this entire list. Also, here's another great uh, use for this. If you're going to buy a used Mac online, like through a eBay or some other source, and they give you the model number, you can go look it up and get all the details you need because I guarantee you they probably didn't put all those details on the eBay or online listing. Right. You can see every little thing you need to know about that computer before you buy it. So yeah, that's anyway, really cool. Mac Tracker, nice little free app. It's a lot of fun to watch. I just, again, it's just fun kind of from a nostalgia thing, if nothing else. So Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Yep. Well, first, Brian? so mine, uh, mine is also, unfortunately, Mac only, but I am going to give you the kind of a Windows version of that as well. But um, since we've been talking about uh, some of the specs today, one of those specs, uh, the hard drive space, we mentioned how maybe it's not that important um, to max out your hard drive when you're buying the computer. But obviously, hard drive space is important that if you were to start storing way too much on your device, um, if you you know if you started using eighty percent of your hard drive space, well, your computer is going to be slower. There are going to be some things that are going to suffer with that. So, so occasionally it's going to be a good thing to go into your computer and try to find out what's taking up space and how do I get rid of it. So, there's a uh, there's an app on Mac called Daisy Disk, uh, D A I S Y D I S K. Um, and what Daisy Disk does is, is very similar to many others uh, uh, of the apps that do this, but it will kind of map your, your hard drive. It'll kind of show you visually, here are all the things that are on your hard drive and kind of every file, every folder will end up being represented by a little block on this display. So, so there's a, it, it displays it visually in a really cool, nice way, kind of a, a big target circle. Um, and the bigger sections of this target are going to be the things that um, take up more space. What I love about the, the way that this one works is that, so you can say, well, show me my hard drive and it'll show you all the big components of your hard drive, all these, uh, these things that are taking up more space. And you see a big block and you know that's taking up a ton of space click on the block and now it displays what's in that block. So that block now mm -hmm. becomes its own little target, right? And then you say, okay. oh, wow. So inside of that, there's one big file. Let me click on that. And right. the other beauty is that you can click and drag on each of these blocks, drag them down to a little designated area in the corner of the window where it'll collect all of those things. So you can go up and say, all right, that file, yep, drag it down there. That other big file, I don't need anymore, drag it down there. And at the end, you can say, delete all those files that I dragged there. And yeah. it'll allow you to kind of get rid of them very easily. Now, can you do this in other ways? Of course, you can pull up your, you know, your, uh, your finder. You can go through and say, sort by size. You can go and look at the info of each one of them. This is a great visual way of seeing where... Where are all my things that are taking up all the space, you know, if I'm having yeah. a hard time with my hard drive space? Because I think it's a good thing to always be looking at your hard drive. So I, I actually on my desktop have kind of changed my my uh, my icons to display 
how much space and then how much I'm taking up. So when I see my hard drive little icon up there, right underneath it says, all right, you have a 500 gigabyte hard drive, 289 gigabytes are free. So I'm always kind of able to visualize if I'm getting anywhere close to filling up my, uh, my space. But when I am getting close, it's really helpful to have something that can sort through and show you where where are the big space hogs that you have? And I find yeah, yeah. just by doing this last night, I found, oh, I have some picture sections where I have duplicated pictures by accident and have the same folder in two different places where I don't need it in two different places. And um, yeah, so it's, it's kind of a great way to be able to sort through that. There is There are a number of these. Uh, one that I found that was really good for Windows, it's called WinDIR Stat, so Win Directory Stat. And that's a free version that does pretty much the same thing. Not quite as slick, uh, but it does it really fast and um, will visually display kind of where things are. Because if you're like me and you get, you know, sucked into the numbers of a finder to try to see, well, how many gigabytes, how many megabytes of these things, visually it's a whole lot easier to be able to see. That's a bigger block taking up more space. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell you, just I haven't used this tool in particular, but I'm familiar with tools like this. And the number one thing that always surprises me, at least on our Mac, that takes up so much room that I find myself having to co- manually clean off so many times. Uh, I use Apple Music. Mm. And every time I play like a playlist, even if I've got all my music up in the cloud, if I'm playing it on my Mac, it's downloading local copies of those songs to play. So if I've got like a playlist that's been playing all day, you know, I'll actually find that, oh, wow, there's actually a lot of that stuff that got cached and downloaded. And it's nice. A tool like this will kind of spot that for you and say, hey, you can just delete those because it's up in the cloud. You can, you're not going to lose them. Yeah. Same thing with movies that you may rent or watch on your, on your computer. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of, it'll find those media files and say, hey, you know what? These aren't really things you got to keep a, a local copy of and they're just eating up room on your drive. So yeah, it's good stuff. Yep. Cool. cool. So Mac Tracker and Daisy Disk are two uh, utilities that we're both recommending. Yep, they are both Mac ones. Brian was considered enough to give a Windows alternative uh, for Daisy Disk as well. Um, so I think that's going to wrap it up for us talking about computer specs and kind of a couple suggestions related to those. Uh, we are planning on doing one more deep dive episode on this topic of computers, which will be our next episode. We're going to talk a little bit about the Raspberry Pi, just kind of a completely very, very deep dive episode uh, talking about this very unique computer and environment and what you can do with it in case you've heard about that kind of device. Um, but I think I'm safe in saying that, you know, if if if, uh, if you found this episode to get a little too techy, um, you probably don't need to skip into the Raspberry Pi. It might get a little bit deeper from that point on. So uh, we'll, we'll catch up with you at the next main topic whenever we unveil that. So yeah. anyway, Brian, I think it's been great. Uh, people, I'm sure, questions, comments, feedback, or anything like that, how, how, remind us again, how they can, uh, how they can contact yeah, us. Yeah, they can send us an email at info at the mesh.tv, uh, info at the mesh.tv. And you can send us your, uh, your suggestions for future topics, your, uh, you know, if you have any, any additions that you'd like to make to some of the, uh, discussions we've had already, uh, we'd be glad to come back and kind of, uh, kind of update people on those. Um, so info at the mesh.tv. We'd love to hear from you. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so please keep uh, keep the emails coming. We love hearing the suggestions and we keep trying to look at those for talking about future topics that might be helpful for everybody. So, so with that, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Thanks everybody for listening to Brothers in Tech here on TheMesh.TV. For Alan Jackson and Brian Jackson, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.